Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Renz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. MLB news? Yeah, there's so much of it that I was thinking we should prioritize hitting this week because it's relevant to our main topic. Yeah, sure. Four things, four guys that I want to mention here. You got four guys here, yeah. <laughs> Brandon Nimmo to the Mets. The most Bogarts important one for the Padres. Right? <laughs> this, these are in reverse transaction order yeah. as li- as listed on MLB.com. Xander uh, Bogarts, yeah. Xander Bogarts to the Padres. Yeah. Wilson Contreras to the Cardinals and Trey Turner to the Phillies. These are all... Long deals, too. Did you go back to our conversation about the shortstops? No. What did we... I don't know. I can't remember. But I feel like Phillies were sort of... Maybe they're on the cutting room floor as an option, but it didn't seem... Trey Turner's deal completely ensured that Bogarts wasn't going back to the Red Sox. Yes. No, no. 100%. 100%. Because that... That Turner, I mean, it happened basically as as predicted, right? In the sense that the Turner deal happened early, and then everything else needed to, all the other pieces needed to move. And I totally agree; it sealed the deal for the Red Sox, right? Because it was what they offered him ninety million dollars last year, reportedly for like four years or something like that. And and basically, his agent was like, "Just give us the Trevor Story contract, and we're probably going to be fine." And then all of a sudden, he gets twice the Trevor Story contract. Yeah, inflation. Years. Did he? They did not look at inflation and just say, you know what? Next year, this is going to be more. <laughs> it's it's crazy to me that of the four that we just listed, Wilson Contreras's five year contract is the shortest by a good margin. <laughs> These are young guys. It's true. It's true. I mean, Bogarts, Bogarts, and Turner, eleven years. Nimmo, eight years. Ah, yeah, yeah, that feels kind of dumb. He's. Yeah, what? no, Bogart's <laughs> 11 years is dumb. I mean, Nimmo is 29. Yep. Trey Turner is also 29. Okay, so you just bought the rest of their careers, Bogart's and Turner's. It's fine. And you bought you bought Turner's, <laughs> Nimmo's career and some. <laughs> you got all of his career at AAA, uh, Los Alamos. I mean, if if you wanted to talk about minor league deals, I did see that the Dodgers Dodgers agreed to terms with Jason Hayward. I I saw that too. Yes, yeah, I, <laughs> I I didn't I didn't mention that in the in the top top line here. Does anybody get better? Is Bogarts better on the Padres than on the Red Sox? Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say we should put a pin in that until we talk about lineup stuff. Okay, but um, one guy that I've, I'm surprised you didn't mention, which I was actually really interested in, hoping that the Red Sox got Bellinger. Cody Bellinger to the Cubs. How long is that deal? One year contract. Yeah, that that's what I was thinking. Seventeen point five million. I think that's. I don't, I don't like one year contracts. I don't like one year contracts. They make me nervous. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, he was an NL Rookie of the Year, an NL MVP within the last five. Both those within the last five years. But once you get on the one year contract train, 
I don't think guys come back from that. I I disagree. I think he will. I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be fantasy relevant here soon. I don't know if he's going to be on the Cubs. Well, that's exciting stuff. I guess uh, put a pin in that for uh, one of our segment conversations a little later. Can you can you see him like hit like thirty eight home runs on the Cubs and still not get anywhere near a hundred RBIs? Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, let's let's talk about let's talk about that specifically when we get to the main segment. Today. Okay, okay. World Cup, World Cup, Final Four. Uh, one thing that I do like about NCAA basketball is that they have good branding. Right here, they're yeah. just like. Mm-hmm. Semifinals, quarterfinals. I'm like, ah, we we need better. We need better branding here. The quarters. Final four here: Croatia, Argentina, France, Morocco. Interesting stuff. I mean, I think on balance, two teams you expect, two teams you don't expect, is within expectations. <laughs> well said. Let's wrap your head yeah, on that. No, no. I think you. I couldn't tell. Half you of you I like point. half as much as I. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't like I couldn't tell you that it was going to be Croatia and Morocco, but if you told me there were going to be two semi-random teams in the final four, I'd be like, okay. I don't even. But Croatia isn't random. They were the no, runners no, no. up last time. So there was like Italy winning in two thousand six. A lot of people were like, yeah. where did Italy come from? It's like they're the Italians. They're always mm-hmm. relevant. Who are you? Who are you kidding? It's like it, Germany won in twenty four. Who could have seen that coming? Other than the, you know, the historically one of the best nations. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think at most people would have said it looked good for France and um, Argentina to make it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, I think they're both top four seeds, right? Nominally, mm-hmm. or Something top like five top seeds. 10. I can't, I can't I remember. Know. I can't. Yeah, they're both. They're both up there. Um, I mean, they're both. Both were nominal leaders in their groups, and then you got. Morocco and Croatia. <laughs> I mean, I see the storylines are all kind of fun. I think I think the France versus Argentina is really fun because it's like, uh, is Killian going to take the mantle of the best player for Messi? Yeah. Um, this is the you know the European side versus South American side. It's the the guys that fall down versus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Argentinians, you know, all these sort of, uh, but France versus Croatia is also interesting. We just did this four years ago. I mean, yeah. Modric last, last run, Croatia, fun underdog, very fun underdog. Um, Croatia is very likable, you know. I, I totally agree. But I mean, you're ignoring the immediacy of France, Morocco. They have any history? No, no, no. Yeah. Totally, Algerian totally above, I mean, uh, totally yeah. above board. No issues there. <laughs> Casablanca. Um, yeah, it's, it's first African, one. first African team, right in the semifinals. In the semifinals, yeah. That's incredible. I've been so stupid because I was like, "Wow, that goalie is good. That goalie is going to get like a lot of money in the and for some European club." And I was like, "Oh, he already plays for Sevilla." So it's like. He plays for the third or fourth best team in Spain, which yeah. is the third or fourth best league in Europe. So I'm excited for the semifinals uh, this week. And actually, before we talk, new champion. It's going to be a new champion. True. Or the same Very champion, true. I guess. Could be. Yeah. Exactly. I think we're, think we're both Fingers pulling crossed. for the same team here anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, let's move. Let's move on to uh, a little bit more season-ending statistics here. We've got a full analysis of the 2022 lineups. So nice. every team, every game, I pulled these all down, and I posted a summary statistic, which is sort of what we've done in the past. Uh, we're able to do the full analysis. I don't. I mean, this is. There's a lot of conversations to have here. But let's just right. start with the product that's immediately available. If you go to our webpage and you click on lineup analysis, you will be directed to a gigantic table that nice. tells you for each team what the typical lineup. And I'm doing big air quotes here because the typical lineup is me- is a real lineup that existed during some game during the season. Mm. And is the lineup that is statistically the least different from every other lineup. What I do is I take total real lineups and compare those lineups to every other game. And whichever lineup has the most statistical overlap with every other lineup that they trotted out that year, that's the leader. So you can tell, actually, first appeared, there's a bunch of columns here. So there's first column is team, obviously, then all the guys batting one through nine. Then a similarity column that tells you how similar their lineups were in an average mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And then first appeared tells you the game that that lineup was first trotted out during the season. So there's some interesting stuff. There's like that's a that's a highly uh, biased number <laughs> in the sense that in the sense that it doesn't it doesn't give you a ton of inf- it both gives you a ton of information and doesn't give you a ton of information because if it's if it's late that tells you okay they didn't actually they had no idea kind of what they were doing with their typical lineup until late in the season sure if it's super early it typically tells you that they had a little bit more stability but also these things are completely affected but there might have been a player that you know died injuries season and okay well it's gone i don't back for i don't think we had any of that this year but died for fantasy reasons well that is very true so I um, I want to look through this, but I also want to point out the fact that I gave you a CSV with all of the lineups, and it's overwhelming, yeah. <laughs> but it is interesting to scroll through. So I guess I'm wondering if you, before we get into talking about the summary statistics, is there anything that we should do different going forward with these analyses? I think the only thing that we should do different is the immediacy piece of like we need to have like a shiny product that's there on Sunday mornings for us yes and I do want to see I want to see deltas in some sort of way like so week week uh week six what is the delta where is the where's the delta for like a given team like oh all of a sudden here we are Taylor Ward is batting fourth. Like, yeah, that's that seems relevant. I didn't know who Taylor Ward was before the season started. Yeah, you know, that's the kind of thing that would help. I really believe would help us. Okay. Yeah, I I agree with that. I would love to get some. Oof, Pena. We we learned how to scrape some stuff down. Uh, we or we learned how to automate some things with with GitHub, and I think this is this is prepped to be similarly automated i think we're i think we're ready for that and so one of the things is that yeah if you're if you're looking at this the nice thing about the full csv is that that does give you access to all of the deltas whereas this is basically just a reminder of what happened during the year (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. this is a summary statistic okay going back to our uh, stats 101 all right i'm I'm ready for that yeah exactly hey 
<laughs> if if we've got the terminology, we should use it. Yeah. Now, looking at this, I it's the same old story of the higher the similarity number is that you have, generally the better that the team did. Like, it's true. Or not even the better that the team did, the better than expectations that they did. Like, that Mets team wasn't really expected to do super well. They have the highest similarity. Well, clearly having the similarity in their batting order and having it work helped. Same yeah. way that it helped the Red Sox the year before. And yes. I can just see now the Red Sox 2.02. That was not a strength of theirs, having the trotting the same lineup out. And geez, Jackie Bradley Jr. is in is in that batting order. That's I know. Not not a good sign. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff. I mean, and of course, if you click the similarity matrix, if you click the similarity value, you can this is another product that you can see it. It shows you the matrix of overlaps between all of the mm-hmm. games. And so it, it gives you sort of a graphical representation of how similar the how similar the lineups were in time. So I'm yeah. looking at I'm looking at Boston. It looks like they had a game plan at the start of the year, right? You've got like uh-huh. the first 10 games are sort of there's a lot of overlap. Then you go through sort of this weird period. And then there's a period where they seem to have figured out some strategy. And then late season, it's completely different it. again. But yeah, it's fixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you contrast that with the Mets, who had basically the whole game plan, the same game plan the whole year, more or less. Yeah. Well, their leadoff hitter is here for the long haul. Yeah. So I was actually going to, I was going to ask you about a couple of specific, I have a couple of specific questions looking at this. Who's the most surprising leadoff hitter? We've talked at length about how important this is, Mm -hmm. right? To be the leadoff hitter. Who's the, who's the most surprising leadoff hitter? I'll, and I'll, I'll start Christian Yelich in Milwaukee. I don't love that. Yeah, you kind of given where he is in his career, it's, it would be better if he's a little bit lower. You think of him as like a three four now. Exactly, he's just would, not as fast. I would prefer to see him striving for a three or four profile than a leadoff. Wow, Andrew McCutcheon batting fourth. Jeez, consummate number six, Hunter Renfro there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Willie Adamez. I would like to see more at bats for. Exactly. No, I think I think Adamus. I don't see why Adamus shouldn't be first. But if you look through the CSV, they loved him batting second. He only batted second, really. Yeah. Uh, um, no, hmm. Another surprising leadoff for me: Jurix and Profar in San Diego. All of the guys that they have, all the guys they have in San Diego, uh-huh. and Jurix and Profar is the leadoff hitter. It that seems like of, yeah. That seems like the place you should probably upgrade. <coughs> Bogarts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bogarts would be, or maybe you put Cronenworth number one and then Bogarts is number two. Maybe. Could work. Could work. But I think wow. I was surprised, surprised to see that stacked lineup. Profar is batting one. <laughs> Come on. Um, here, I, you know, there's not that much that surprising here. Um, but I do think, I do think that um, the, the Kyle Schwarber thing. The exp- mm. Kyle Schwarber experiment, him being number one, I'm sort of surprised. But that is, there's not really a number one hitter in that bunch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who, Which who else? I don't. Who else I can't understand first? why they would want to buy Trey Turner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but actually, making the point, the Trey Turner point is really interesting. Not a leadoff hitter this year. He was number three. Yeah. Well, put him in into his natural place, number one in I Philadelphia. Actually, I mean. Right, so going back to now merging our 
just <laughs> freewheeling free free agent and uh, lineup conversation. Mm-hmm. Trey Turner probably going to have a better year this year. Moving up in a lineup that if you can move, if you can shift all of those guys down one, that's pretty good. More runs, fewer RBIs. I I put that in. Who cares about in. Turner's RBIs? He, I mean, he had a really good year, dude. I know, but come on, dude. I know, but you can get RBIs without Trey Turner being your RBI guy. I I see your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want Trey Turner to get twenty extra RBIs. You'd rather him have one hundred and twenty runs and and eighty RBIs. I would, pre- yeah, exactly. I would prefer Trey Turner to be an everyday and three of five dimensional player. Yeah. Okay. So last year he was one hundred and one runs, twenty one home runs, one hundred RBIs, twenty seven stolen bases, and he bad three hundred. You know what I would really like to see? A hundred and twenty runs. <laughs> yeah. Ex- and twenty home runs and eighty ex- RBIs. And forty stolen bases. Like, let's exactly. do it. Exactly. Come on, exactly. Trey. That would be. That's going to be way better. The only thing about him stealing bases is that no one else on that lineup is even remotely a threat to steal bases. But that's what makes it even better. <laughs> I guess Harper is like the second best guy to steal bases. But I, that probably helps, like Kyle Schwarber. If if you have Kyle 100%. Schwarber now number two, like, and you have Trey Turner a threat to steal on base. I remember when Billy Hamilton was there yes. for the beard for Joe, uh, Joey Votto. It, yes. Like, the pitcher is a little bit squirrely because it's like, well, this guy's finally on base. You know, very <laughs> different because 100 batting average points better than Trey Turner and not quite as fast. But that's going to be on the pitcher's mind. So Kyle Schwarber automatically is going to get, I think, higher batting average. I think it was a good move. I think it was that's a good move for Philadelphia. It's a great move. No, no, no. It's a great move for Philadelphia. They realized right wasn't your old flame still like every once in a while getting uh, at shortstop for them too was your shortstop <laughs> last year no 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 he was gene segura yeah, yeah gene, gene segura, segura played, was, yeah. played meaningful minutes for them <laughs> i mean <laughs> you don't you do not love to see that you gotta you gotta do better than that uh yeah so i think i think there's a lot there there's actually a lot to like about the philadelphia lineup this year and this Philadelphia Mets shootout is going to be really interesting. Oh, and, and you're forgetting about a team in that. The Braves? The Braves division, the Braves. I know. Right there. No, yeah. that, that division is uh, really, really going to be something this year. It's a really good one. Yeah. Uh, okay, I have one other, one other main topic that I want to get through here. Disappointing guys stuck six through nine mm-hmm. on here. So in this... In, I phrased that super negative, but I'm actually thinking about the the positive side, which is, hey, these guys move somewhere in the lineup this year. There's it should help them. Real help for them. I'm looking at number one, Trevor Story. Well, a spot just opened up for him. Exactly. For exactly. So Trevor Story. I mean, Trevor Story batting sixth. I really don't like that. Terrible. It's I terrible really for don't his like value. That. And I think. I feel like he's the kind of guy who that probably went straight to his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. why no, am I batting he's... six? I can't do this. Like, he seems like the kind of guy that would struggle with that. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get wrangled into the comeback year, like feeling for Trevor Story. But it's like all there. It's just, all I need to hear is like one. I need to hear like the one article that's like he he finally he got a house. 
<laughs> he, he got a house. He bought a house. He's ready to, you know, spend his $140 million in um, the Bay State. And then the like, I'm feeling better than I have in four years. In, in three years, my health is like, well, as soon as he'd see those yep. two articles, I'm going to be back in and I'm going to hate it. Yep. Well, let, let's let's see what the Red Sox do for signings. But I think right now, I'm looking at the lineup right now. So so Red Sox were was Enrique Hernandez, Rafael Devers, uh, J.D. Uh-huh. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Alex Verdugo, Trevor Story. Bogarts gone. I think you slot Story straight into Bogarts' spot. I don't think you shift Verdugo. I think JD up. is gone too, right? Uh, oh, and no, he more than likely he's gone. Not confirmed. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I, I, I think, I think you're looking at, I'm looking at three or four for Trevor Story here. He's a number three hitter. He, he should, he should get back to number three. Yeah, but if right, I agree with you. But if you have JD Martinez, he gets to bat where he wants. <laughs> right. Yep. 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 Yeah. Uh, all right. More disappointing guys stuck six through nine. Yohan Moncada did not realize he was he's still in the league. Sixth. Well, <laughs> I mean, kind of, yeah. Um, I just think Moncada is who he is these days. Okay. I don't think that I don't think any more opportunity is really going to help him. You don't. You don't think six is doing a lot for him? Is I? No, I. I don't think that six is helping him. But sure. I don't think that him going up to third is really going to is going to increase his his plate appearances by 30 what's he really going to do with those okay all right let me throw another one isaiah connor falafa i think it would be good if if he could be in the top four i think if he could get some consistency in one spot i could see him being relevant he's batting he was batting eighth in the yankees lineup this year the the problem is and he was fantasy relevant at times exactly and that's really frustrating because you really don't want to be fantasy relying on a guy batting eighth <laughs> but i'm looking i'm looking at the top of their lineup lemayhew judge rizzo stanton donaldson there's no space there's not space unless he goes in there just have a spot start in in there yeah un- unless like <laughs> unless lemayhew turns out to be bad this year right unless lemayhew her, begins yeah. his descent right unless lemayhew begins a descent i just don't see it happening yeah i mean give him give him 150 more plate appearances. Yep. Increase his numbers by a third. Yeah, it would be he'd be really interesting. Exactly. There's there's stuff to like there. I mean, that's that's the thing is that but now I'm looking at this like okay, if he's really batting eighth, I really really need to not be suckered into picking to investing in heavily in fantasy this year. Because yeah, exactly. cuz I'll look at his stats from this year and think, "Oh, he was relevant at at times." And I remember uh-huh. being like, "Ooh, I should get him." And then why didn't I get him? Oh, cuz he bats eighth. And quite frankly, when you picked him up was when he was all of a sudden he was in the top top right. four for some reason because someone was hurt. Yep. So stuff stuff to watch out for. Last guy on my list did not realize Jeremy Pena was batting seventh on that team consistently. Yeah, imagine if you did give him the opportunity that you're giving Jose Altuve. I mean, that's terrifying. <laughs> but but again, another guy that I'm looking at the Houston lineup. Brantley, why is Brantley still there? I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, because he's yeah. not. He, he didn't get. He didn't get 160 starts. That's true. So, so the the typical lineup, big quotes, big similar, high similarity index though for Houston though. So this wasn't an atypical lineup. Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker, Gurriel, Pena. I mean, Pena will Pena will definitely get spot starts for 
Brantley, <laughs> as as previously alluded. Maybe four. Brantley games. got sixty four games this year. Okay, so there you go. So this must he only got sixty four games. I mean, he must be that must be their original block of of games. Well, but based on your math, it should be like if you keep one through nine otherwise similar, but you just take Brantley out and then put new person in there that should still increase the similarity well I'm looking at their I mean I'm looking at their yes that's right I'm looking at their similarity matrix you can see that they went in with a game plan which included Brantley at the start of the year oh yeah and then I think you actually literally see when Brantley goes down (laughs) yeah game like 75 yeah and then they hit and then then who is it who is it there Jeremy Pena so, what do we expect for this year? We don't expect Brantley to be blocking Pena for that much longer. Um. So, yeah. So, after... No, I think Jeremy Pena is going to be in there. Because after game 73, if you look at this, it's Jeremy Pena, Jeremy Pena, Eldemias Diaz. Uh, Mauricio Dubon. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> Jeremy Pena, Jeremy Pena, Jeremy Pena, Jeremy Pena, Yuli Gurliel, Yuli Gurliel. And then switches between... It's basically Jeremy Pena, Yuli Gurliel... Aldmias Diaz. Okay, so there, so there's a lot more to like, essentially for Pena. Wow, they're just sort of switching Yuli at between number six and number two, and they were switching Jeremy between number seven and number two. See how see he's how, got a good he's got he's see yeah. how fun the CSV is. <laughs> oh yeah, I know it's 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 good. Yeah, so I think I think that I mean expectations are very high for Pena. Price is going to be very high for Pena. For you, for you know, you the fantasy buyer, but there's some upside. There's some real upside if they really consistently put him at second. That'd be amazing. But see, this is what I'm talking about. The deltas. Like I yes. want to know last last seven days or last ten days. Yes. Jeremy Pena has been number two seven days. Aldemias Diaz has been there one day, and yep. and Yuli Gurliel has been there in two days. To give you a better sense. <clears throat> to to give a better sense, because that's I kept on picking up Aldemias Diaz, and clearly it was because his value was inflated because he was being spot started a couple <laughs> yes. times and and getting getting the number two spot. Right. So we we need to be aware of that. Right. The delta is going to be critical to say, hey, why did Aldemias Diaz's stats skyrocket this week? Oh, because he was batting two this week, and then why is he so bad when he's on my team? Because he's bad. Because he's not batting week. at all. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he's out of the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I, I totally agree with you. These deltas are things we need. We need to understand. Hey, Jeremy Pena seems like he's really underperforming. Oh, because he was stuck at seven this week. He went to seven. Yeah. No, I think this is really cool, and, and this is um, it's gonna be a really fun one. I think that about brings us to the review session. Carlos Rodon. Good timing. Carlos Rodon. Good timing. <laughs> I feel bad, you know, I feel bad that we're talking about him this late in the, the season. But, you know, as a, as a real workhorse guy. So, Carlos No, Rodon's we've stats. given him so much love. There's, he's, he's cool with us, I'm pretty we've sure. We've never given him the real love of a review session until right now. <laughs> All right, 31 love. games this year. He pitches 178 innings in that 237 strikeouts. Nice. 2.88 ERA, 1.03 whip, and 14 wins. That is what we call getting it done fantasy wise. <laughs> good, a good year. That getting out of that albatross of singular park, or whatever the hell it's called, New Comiskey, whatever we're calling that, <laughs> that, that awful stadium. U- U.S. Cellular. I can't remember. Anyway, whatever. 
Carlos Rodon, you know, the funny thing the funny thing is that you look at him on, on Savant, and the first thing that pops out to me looking at the percentile rankings is low average exit velocity, or bad a- average exit velocity. I mean, he's he's given up some hits here. He's given up some some hard hits, essentially. If you watch a Rodon game, there's some action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is some action. But he's also but but this this K per nine rate is pretty incredible. 12 this year, which is down from 12.5 the year before. There, I mean, expectations were always high, right? So I'm looking at his his draft. He was drafted round one, number three overall in 2014. Mm-hmm. So this isn't this is this is pedigreed guy, like full you know full expectations. Took a long time to realize that potential. Well, because he was on the up, and then he, well, his first year he did pretty darn well he, he was it was like a good entrance to everything and the next year he took a, a a tiny step back but like really good progress for year number two and then he only pitched 70 innings 69 innings <laughs> nice and then you know 2018 he did 120 and then we have this mired of 2019 he did 34 innings 2020 only got seven innings seven innings in the pandemic year yeah and then in 2021 he got 132 innings so his career has been a like when is it going to start and it started <laughs> it's finally started at age um at age 30 which can happen especially for a left-hander sure and i think yeah i mean it's funny because it took me a really long time to shake off the like carlos Rodon. there's nothing there because like i i feel like i was really slow to to reevaluate him last year and this year to realize like hey there's there's like real fantasy value there i you know i've actually had the the opposite of just like oh, each really? year it's like someone takes road on i'm like oh that was a good pick you know bill simmons old thing about the uh the reuben is like someone gets a reuben you're like oh that's yes very smart <laughs> smart smart lunch order but like with um someone takes road on i'm like oh nice pick nice good i like it you know wherever it was it always felt like ooh, smart like i think he's got a real chance he's got some real upside you never knew what was going to happen and some of these years as i'm pointing out like 2018 if you had i'm like ouch that's so funny yeah because because i really i mean i really have this like 20 even 2016 through 2019 view of him as like wow major disappointment Mm. from rodan but then you know these 2021 2022 years wow wow those are good good years (laughs) they're good you want to hear what his uh era uh, you already told us what era was do you want to know what the xera FIP and XFIP were. Please tell me that these are positive signs for him. They are. Uh, so his ERA was 2.88. His XERA, expected ERA, 2.64. His fielding independent pitching was 2.25. And his expected fielding independent pitching was 2.91. Those are good. Those are all, all of them are under three, and all of them are close to what he got. Those are good. I his like that. BIP, his batting average on balls in play was 293. So there's actually possibly some regression there. Um, his left on base was regular-ish, 75.1. And we don't know where he's going to be this upcoming year. We do not know where he's going to be. That is almost the most concerning. I would have liked him to wrap it up, be in San Francisco, or be in another hitter's ball, uh, not a hitter's ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, as our aforementioned discussion... He does. There, there is action in a game. He does give up some hard hits. 
I like if you see him in a Reds uniform, run, <laughs> run. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I I completely agree with you. I, uh, but he has a, he has this profile where he now that he's now that he seems to have figured it out, he really looks like he could stick around. I know after just one and a half really good years, we're just like yeah, so, <laughs> in stone. <laughs> Well, but, let's let's not go overboard. But but I do think that if if he gets like a if he gets like a five year contract on a, on a team with a in a good ballpark with a good good defense behind him, because one of the things that these numbers are actually saying is that he had pretty good defense behind him and yes, good ballpark, good defense behind him. I give him the run. I'd, yeah, I'm fe- I'm feeling pretty good about this. I mean, th- this is why I'm kind of yeah. I guess you're right. We've been we've been showing him a lot of love on the show. I think. Um, I just I think they're I think they're good things to to like about him, and but we're um, also assu- I think we're also assuming that he's like he's someone that could return top ten value, but we don't think that he's going to be ranked top ten. No, because there because... are ten pitchers who people are more excited about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, you you certainly are banking on him having completely righted the ship, because <laughs> you're right. I mean, a year and a, sure a year and a half. Okay of track record you're banking on that being the real carlos Rodon, but i think my point is that you know looking way back into the annals of history there was there were very high expectations for him in the first place as well yeah yeah i think it's good what do you think so here's here's the uh here's the bet box is he picked top 12 starting pitcher including shohei no i think i think he's picked you think he's outside the top 12 i think he's inside the top 15. I think he's probably okay. 13, 14, 15. Okay, so the over under at 13 and a half, you still take the over? I'm still going to I would still take the over. I think with the the net distribution. Shohei, someone's going to take Urias, Burns, Alcantara, Cole, Scherzer, Cease, Manoa, Verlander, Nola, Woodruff, Darvish. That number twelve is where where it gets like, interesting, it, it, right? It does get very interesting right there. There's right there. I'll I'll take I'll take the under on thirteen and a half. All right, all right. Let's see it. It it gets a little squirrely. Oh, Shane McClanahan. Uh, so there you go. So there's thirteen. I probably go ahead of him. Yep. Who will we do next week? Talk about Justin Verlander. All right. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst luck to you, buddy. Worst luck to you, too. Yeah.